0: We have been uh, going through uh, lessons on the desert, and uh, we have two more uh, tonight, a significant story, and then on Sunday, one like Moses. And tonight, a particular story captures, I think, uh, what we're trying to identify with on Good Friday really well. Up on the uh, screen, you see a picture of communion and a cross. And most of us think that that was invented by Jesus at that time and that he invented the Last Supper. The truth is, he borrowed from the Seder service. Many of you have been to a Seder service, and just know the incredible symbolism that was locked into that long before uh, it foreshadowed Jesus' coming. But uh, he also reflects on the manna. The manna in the desert, the miraculous provision, the bread of heaven. That came, and Jesus was that bread of heaven. And also, in the stories of Numbers, there's a story of a pole and of a serpent on a pole, and we're going to look at that tonight. So, uh, if you have your Bibles or your phones, turn with me. Um, we're going to be in Numbers 21. If not, just listen along, it'll work just fine for tonight. Here's the historical stage they have turned from Kadesh Barnea, they're going back to the desert. You know that story. <laughs> it has <clears throat> not gone well with them. That is Korah and Dathan and Abiram's rebellion. And it says they traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. Now, Edom irritated them. Because right? if they could have cut through Edom, it would have been way shorter. Um, have you ever been on a vacation where all of a sudden the freeway you plan to take is under construction and you see a sign that says detour? And you're mm. right? Because you know it's going to be way slower and it's some country road and some farmer with his tractor is going to be rolling down it and you're just like, we got to get there. Uh, that, that's what this felt like to him. And therefore it says, but the people grew impatient on the way. And they spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Have we heard that refrain before? They've completely flipped God's motive for them. You did not bring us here to give us life. You brought us here give us death. Do you hear anybody saying that today in our culture? Right? There is no bread. There's no water. And we detest this miserable food. Another translation says we loathe it. Like we don't ever want to see it again. We don't ever want to taste it again. Like if I see one more piece of men, I'm going to gag and barf. That's kind of the theme right behind it. And they are irritated. They are fed up. But officially, right here, they have crossed the line, right? There's only so much God will take um, when we throw it in his face. And uh, there comes a place where God says, stop. And if we don't stop, it, it starts to go very bad. They're not only disparaging God, and for that matter, Moses, but they're also casting major shade on God's supernatural provision, which, when you think of it, was really a dumb thing to do. Because the manna was about the only thing they could survive on, so God could just say, fine, you don't like it? Good. Done. And you're out in the middle of the desert. Now what? So they really weren't thinking clearly. And one of the points I want to bring out tonight is that rebellion doesn't think clearly. We're insane when we operate in rebellion. We do tragic, terrible, stupid stuff. And you would think we could catch it, but it's hard to do because we aren't thinking right. We have caught a wrong picture of God and it, it colors everything we do. And then something else happened that's far more deadly. It doesn't take long before you can hear the screams. And a terrible fear comes over the people and for very good reasons. If we were in the military, uh, the saying would be, we've got a situation here. All right? We've got a situation here. What was the situation? Well, the situation was, it says, Then the Lord sent venomous snakes... In the other translation it says fiery serpents among them. And they bit the people and many Israelites died. And the people came to Moses and said, We've sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. And so Moses prayed for the people. And you can tell how quick they turn. And you can tell uh, sometimes it's pretty fickle, right? They they kind of go with a whim. But this this is pretty serious. It says in the text that, Many had already died. And if you think about a a mass of people of two and a half million, and you think the fringes of the camp, and you think about snakes and fiery serpents, biting people and starting to die, and then people running across the camp, trying to let people know what's going on, and trying to communicate to Moses, you can kind of get a picture of the anxiety and the chaos that's taken place. It does not take them long to realize that this fierce rebuke is from the Lord. All right? Uh, It doesn't tell us... Where the snakes are coming from, it doesn't tell us what kind of snakes they were, it doesn't tell us how many of them were, but it is enough to throw the entire nation into panic. Snakes, fiery serpents. There are probably few things that are as repulsive and reviling as snakes. right? I'm astonished my wife's in the front row. (laughs) She is a woman of great faith tonight. Snakes just get your skin to crawl. Right? And if you've seen them in real life, uh, creepy, crawly, slinky, scary. And in this case, deadly. It says that many of the people had already died from the bites inflicted by these serpents. So it doesn't tell us what kind of snakes or what the situation is. What it tells us is that this is a pretty deadly thing. This isn't taking days for people to die, they're getting bit, and within hours, they're dying. Right? So we've got uh, a real. Um, intense kind of situation going on. And then you kind of get the feeling from them, can we go any faster? Because it says Moses prayed for them. And many times in these stories that we've looked in the desert, when Moses prayed, how many times have we heard the plague was stopped, right? Moses had prayed, the plague was stopped. Moses, And there's all these things. This time that didn't happen. This time what God said, the Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole. And anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. And so Moses made a bronze snake and put it on the pole. Now, I'm not a metalsmith. I don't know how long that takes, but I'll bet you that didn't take five minutes. Right? Moses probably didn't do it himself. He probably had Bezalel or her or one of the guys that worked on the tabernacle make it. And they had to fashion both the pole and the snake. And I would imagine that it had to be done well and it had to be done right. And so as he did that, uh, people are dying while they're doing that. And you can feel the anxiety uh, rise. How how long is this going to take? Can you imagine the pain as you feel the poison coursing through your veins? Get that pole up. Will I live long enough to even look at the pole? Hurry up. And then it says when any was, was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. It was a very miraculous thing, right? If they looked at the pole with the snake on it, they wouldn't die. Their sin was causing their death. Also factor in two and a half million people. They had to move. Think how big that area is and think about a pole. And I'd imagine the pole is probably higher than this one. But imagine you had to get in some position to be able to see it. Right, So if you were out at the fringes of the camp where the snakes were, you had to be hauled. Can you imagine the chaos of uh, fathers and mothers and aunts and uncles and cousins and friends dragging their loved ones to a place where they could get a look at the pole so they could see it and actually live? Can you imagine the tension, the agony, the sheer desperation and panic rippling through the people? We have somewhat of an equivalent of this. It isn't snakes, but do you remember where you were in the morning of 9-11? Do you remember how that situation gripped you? And do you remember how that situation gripped our nation? And many people started looking for answers in that scenario. This would be very similar to that. Here's the interesting thing. When they looked at the snake, they had to look at that which they loathed to be saved. Isn't that interesting? God didn't give some religious symbol. God didn't give... Uh, there were plenty of symbols they could have pulled from their repertoire and relationship with God that um, they could have done. But what does he choose? He chooses a snake and he says, look at what you loathe. Look at your sin. And every time they looked up, they had to go, oh, yuck. But that's the only way to live. Well, when you look at the cross... Likewise, if you remember the scripture, it says that the Jewish people loathed Jesus, right? They cast him out too. It said, once again, scripture says that the Jewish people will have to look upon that which they once loathed. And scripture says they will mourn when he returns, and they will look upon him whom they have pierced. Right? Do you think for a Jewish person's perspective, the cross is loathsome? It looks like the snake, right? It looks like the snake. This is a serious life or death issue here, right? Nobody's asking your opinion. Nobody's asking how you feel. Nobody cares about your circumstances. Nobody really uh, is asking you how you feel about it. There's two parameters that set this whole thing up number one, are you bitten? If you are number 2 are you going to look? Right? That's that's all that exists in this particular setting right here. Same thing when you look at the cross. It really isn't about our opinion or how you feel about it or our circumstances or our situation. Right? There's two things. Are you bitten? And will you look? Scripture says the wages of sin is death. Scripture is trying to paint a picture. Our sin has bit us and is killing us every bit as much as those bites from those snakes were killing them. If you look, you live. If you don't, you die. Is that clear? It's your choice. You pick. That's what he's saying. Those of you who don't want to look, you don't have to, but you will die. If you look, you'll live. Same thing when it comes to the cross. This is my son. I'm not negotiating the deal. If you look to him, you'll live. If you don't, you'll die. It's that clear. And he lays it out that clearly for us. You know this this snake this uh, picture of the snake. If you read, it has quite a history. And uh, some of you are reading in uh, Chronicles and the, the the kings and that kind of stuff. And if you're right there in the stories of Hezekiah, uh, Hezekiah eventually had to tear this down because they kept it. It was called Nehushtan. Sounds like an Indian name, right? Nehushtan. Oh, and uh, and they but they started to offer sacrifices to it and they started to worship it. Like that was God. In other words, they flipped the picture again. That which was loathsome, they now started to worship. And so Hezekiah, seeing that, took it and destroyed both the pole and the snake and took it away so it wouldn't become a piece of idolatry. When we look to the cross, there's some symbolism there too. Because Scripture says Jesus will never be struck again. He was struck once, one time for all, for the sin of the world. He will never be struck again. This symbol will never get torn down in the history of the universe. And if you saw the banners, it says, As Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. And that's why it's a big deal. That's why it's very honoring that you came tonight. Because this is a gift to It's not Sunday. It's one of my favorite services of the year. Because if you came tonight, you wanted to be here. And probably because the Lord Jesus means something to you. And when we look at that cross, recognize that this story on the screen of the bread and the, the cup and the cross were foretold long ago in the book of Numbers with the fiery serpent in the desert. On this day, he was lifted up. On this day, he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed because of our iniquities, mine and yours. We haven't done it right. We're not okay. On this day, he died for the sins of the world. And on this day, we remember with heartfelt appreciation and gratitude of how our Savior crushed the head of the serpent and freed us from the penalties of our sin. The pole and the serpent were pivotal in the history of Israel. The cross is pivotal in the history of the world.